Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's Morphin Time! Today on Ranger Command Power Hour. Alright, let's let's do this. Alright. Let's do this thing. It's my my second podcast of the week. Oh, uh, how'd it go? It went very well. What did you guys talk about? We talked about um the Daredevil episodes of the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Walloping web snappers. God, I love the 90s Spider-Man cartoon so much. It's like my childhood, basically. Yeah. It's one of the best. Did you guys talk at all or like connect it with the Daredevil live action movie or anything? Sort of. We we touched on that. And also, okay. fun fact, the guy who voiced Daredevil in the 90s cartoon, Wes's dad in Time Force. What? Wait, what? 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 Yep. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. Hold on. Hold on. I gotta, I Edward, Edward Albert. Now. He was uh, Wes's dad in Time Force. He also voiced Daredevil in the 90s cartoon. That freaking rocks. And makes sense because Fox aired the Spider-Man cartoon, and that's when Power Rangers was still on Fox. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be a backdoor pilot. It was sort of like set up to be a backdoor pilot for its own For a Daredevil? Yes. I will be That is amazing. Okay, did you guys know that going into recording, or did you find it out and it's like, oh, look, another Power Ranger connection because we got Ranger Command Power Hour. (laughs) They had it in the show notes, and it was kind of like a little trivia bit that we touched on in their show notes, so. When's uh, Um, when's it coming out? I'm not sure. Um, I think they just released the one that came before those episodes, so. Oh, okay. And technically, I'm on two episodes. We recorded two at once, so. Dang. Yep. You, oh. you're, you're beating me for Walloping Web Snappers guest appearance. Yeah, same. <laughs> I've had, I think, technically three so far. But That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Eric and I had the one that we were on for the... Uh, and then I, d- I did a second one. Oh, did you? So, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. in last place. I'm, I'm bringing home the bronze on this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, though. That's awesome. It made me, made me realize, like... I don't know. I've always been into Daredevil. It was a nice, uh, nice little discussion. So Daredevil's awesome. Sorry, I got to explain my roundabout way of being introduced to Daredevil, which I'll let you guys hear that when the show comes out. Oh, yeah, <laughs> okay. <for sure. laughs> you, you may or may not think it's amusing. So. <laughs> <laughs> and now on Ranger Command Power Hour. Ay 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 ay! It's the Ranger Command Power Hour. Today on the Power Hour, extra episode 80, Rangers Review Dino Fury, episodes 12 through 14, recorded on October 20th, 2021. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Summer Ranger up with your host, I'm Eric, also known as TrekkieB47. I'm AP, also known as Secret Ranger Fan. And I'm Zach, also known as Hollywood. This episode is brought to you by our patrons on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more about supporting Ranger Command Power Hour. 
Thanks to our $5 and above patrons, Charles D., Chris P., Steve F., Ethan S., AJW, Eric D., Jacob P., Steve M., Tyler B., Tyler W., Charlie N., Craig H., Craig M., Liz M., Mason M., Kevin R., Steve R., Hassan A., Bo H., Leland D., Josh P., Derek G., and Teresa B. for supporting us this month. Remember, you can check out all of our links at link tr.ee slash rangercommandph, as well as our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.com slash shop slash rangercommandph. Hey, y'all. How's it going? Hey, we're back. Yeah, we're back. We're back. Gonna talk some Power Rangers. Dino Fury. Uh, No, that's Beast Morphers. Beast Morphers. Dino Fury. Whatever. However they do the theme song. Yeah, I'm a robot. (laughs) Malfunction. I I am Jay Borg. He didn't uh, he didn't get enough hours in the regeneration chamber last night. That is true. That is true. So we do have a little bit of uh, news to talk about, and then we'll dive right into our episode reviews for Power Rangers Dino Fury episodes twelve through fourteen. So just to get a bit of the sad news out of the way first, Brian Goldner, the CEO of Hasbro from 2008 to 2021, uh, has passed away. Originally on October 10th, Hasbro released a press release uh, to their investor site where they said the current board member, Rich Stoddart, appointed interim CEO effective immediately because Hasbro chairman and CEO Brian D. Goldner, to take medical leave to focus on health. So there was a statement from Brian Goldner talking about passing on interim CEO to Richard Stoddart. And then only two days later, they released another press release announcing the passing of beloved leader and longtime chairman and CEO Brian D. Goldner. So they did announce that he passed away. He was only 58 years old, which is still, I think, incredibly young to mm-hmm. pass away. And they did a a pretty great tribute video to him on Hasbro uh, YouTube channel, which we'll link to, uh, which also features a longtime friend of Brian Goldner, Haim Saban. So there was some quotes and some footage from Haim Saban. There was pictures of the two of them back in the Lost Galaxy days where Brian Goldner was a little bit involved with Bandai. And and then they did a picture that was during when they announced Beast Morphers. And uh, there was the big logo and him with Haim Saban. So obviously there's some Power Rangers connection there because, you know, ever since Hasbro bought Power Rangers, it's incredibly sad. I know we joke a lot about, oh, you know, our Hasbro corporate overlords or whatever, but seemed like all of the initiatives that uh, he was doing at Hasbro, like some of the environmental stuff with the new packaging initiatives and, and on all of their press releases, they always say that they've been named one of the world's most ethical companies for the past nine years. And then one of America's most just companies by Ford's and just capital for the past four years. I'm, I'm reading cause Literally in every press release, they have that about Hasbro. So really seemed like he made that place uh, a really good place to work and uh, something that was ethical and also environmentally uh, sound. So yeah, it's, it's pretty sad. Yeah. The amount of hard work that Brian put into the company and just how much they had grown over the past, you know, however many years that is. 
I can't do math, forgive me. It is very sad, and, and he will absolutely be missed by anyone who had any kind of connection to that company, uh, us included, I think, you know, we, we owe a lot to Hasbro being really awesome with us and getting us interviews and things like that, and um, that's all, I think, backed by what Brian did for Hasbro, and, and he mm-hmm. grew the company, you know, so exponentially over these last, you know, however many years, that his presence will absolutely be missed, and, and it's going to hurt for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything that he did to like grow the transformers brand when it was doing the live action movies. And I mean, now that's just like a powerhouse property. And yeah, there were a lot of good, like progressive changes made to a lot of their franchises under his watch. So yeah, yeah. exactly. Including power Rangers. Yeah. As we'll talk about in this episode. So yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you have, any connection and love for, you know, some of these franchises, Transformers or Power Rangers or you know, Star Wars or Marvel. I, I know he wasn't a creative force behind Star Wars or Marvel, but, you know, they, they facilitated those licenses. So, yeah, I think the corporate world took a big hit. I'm not familiar with uh, his his replacement, Richard Stoddart, only that. Uh, there is a Chicago connection there because he used to be part of the Leo Burnett advertising agency out here in Chicago, which is like a world leader advertising agency. So plenty of marketing experience there. We'll see how this might affect Power Rangers initiatives in the future. Obviously, Brian Goldner was uh, connected to Power Rangers with his friendship with Haim Saban and you know them facilitating that deal for Power Rangers. Brian Goldner was like a huge part of that acquisition of of the brand for Power Rangers. So I don't know if that will shift focus from Power Rangers or or what that will do, but I guess we'll see in the future. Mm-hmm. All right, well, moving on. Power Rangers Battle for the Grid is in a fighting juggernauts bundle at Humble Bundle. So they tweeted out that They are part of the base game, so I think this is just the base game, no extra DLC or uh, different season passes, none of that. It is the base game for Battle for the Grid is part of this Fighting Juggernauts bundle on Humble Bundle. You can get a ton of games in this package for 12 bucks. So there is nine games in this collection, Soul Calibur Six. You get a coupon for 70% off the Soul Calibur 6 Season 1 pass, 60% off the Season 2 pass for that game. You get Injustice 2 Legendary Edition, Power Rangers Battle for the Grid, Killer Instinct, Mortal Kombat XL, Slap City, and One Finger Death Punch 2. You can get all of those games for 12 bucks. And for Battle for the Grid, that is a huge deal. I know that you'd have to pay separately for the season pass, but essentially, if you know you pay twelve dollars for for nine items, uh, that's just in like a dollar fifty, like you know, dollar twenty five per game. That's, yeah, that's pretty incredible. I'm always a huge proponent of Humble Bundle, um, whether it's games that they're doing in these bundles, or sometimes they do software of certain types. Uh, mm-hmm. I know they recently did a like 
streaming video editing, audio editing kind of uh, bundle that I instantly was like, Eric needs to see this. Yeah. Um, and the things that they do, because the, the cool thing about Humble Bundle is, you know, you, you spend as much as you want, pay what you want. And when you pay a little bit more, you unlock, you know, higher tiers that give you more products. Um, but then the cool thing is then you go in and you decide, okay, let's say I'm going to spend $20. I want... 18 of that $20 to go to the de- the devs and then the, mm-hmm. the extra two bucks you can donate to the humble charity. And so I think that's really cool that you can change how much you pay goes to the devs and how much goes to the humble charity. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to bring up too because this is a $237 value. Obviously, you can pay what you want. They have all the different payment options you can do uh your own price. You can name your own price. This actual charity is supporting Oceana, which protects the world's oceans. So that's amazing. And at the time of this recording, they've already raised $12,000 for charity. Wow. That's fantastic. If you've never heard of Humble Bundle before, like I have it bookmarked. I go there every week yeah. and they do one of these new bundles just to see if there's anything I want. But yeah, Humble Bundle is is fantastic. And you buy them and then they give you the codes for Steam or I think there's also like good old games, GOG.com. Right. Uh, the codes for that service as well. So however you game on PC, you can get your codes for, uh, for these games. Yeah. And I've also used a humble bundle. Like Zach said, he turned me on to this photo editing and, uh, video editing bundles and, and overlays and packages, uh, which was really, really cheap. I've gotten things like Alan wake on there graphic design bundles and also like the power rangers comics bundle that they did a couple months ago so another thing i got was all the star trek adventures role-playing oh books. Nice. so i could always do i guess a star trek rpg if i wanted to so dibs on being the engineer <laughs> <laughs> but yeah humble bundle great service glad that battle for the grid is part of this it's if if you've been holding out for, you know, a number of years and you really want to support a good organization and get this game for cheap and some other great fighting games. I mean, Soul Calibur, Injustice, yeah. uh, Killer Instinct, these are huge franchises. Mortal Kombat. And the version of Injustice that you get with this, the Injustice uh, Legendary Edition, that does include all the DLC. So you get yeah. the extra fighters like Hellboy, like the Ninja Turtles. Who else is in that? Like uh, Shoot, Adam. maybe I need to pick this up. It's <laughs> Listen, it's, it's worth it. Like, I own it on my PlayStation, but I would consider getting it on PC just to get it again because it's, yeah. like that. We, we could always really- stream it. That's true. We could on That's, Twitch. That's a thing. Uh, so, <laughs> well, check it out. We'll have links in our show notes as always. Also, there was some listings found for upcoming comic collections, Mighty Morphin volume four, which collects issues 13 through 16 will be available June 21st next year. Volume three, I believe comes out in December. So there's a bit of a gap between volumes and Power Rangers Volume 4 will release on July 12th, so a couple weeks after Mighty Morphin Volume 4, and that also collects issues 13 through 16 of that series. So those are comics that are not out yet at the time of this recording. So spoilers uh, for any Amazon links that you may find. Also, a huge 
find on Amazon. And these are all found by Ranger Liz, who posted about these. And we have the Necessary Evil Deluxe Part 2 hardcover, which will release on May 4th. So this was originally announced in that big hardcover collection special edition that Boom Studios did on Kickstarter earlier this year. Well, now we have the confirmation for the regular release. It's not a special edition hardcover. It's a normal hardcover. It's got Omega Red on the cover, which I think is a great choice for this half of Necessary Evil. And this collects uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers issue 48 through 55 and GoGo Power Rangers 29 through 32. The 12-part story that was told on all of the covers of Necessary Evil as well as Power Rangers Ranger Slayer number one, along with a brand new exclusive short story. So all of these hardcovers have an exclusive short story on them, and it's definitely worth picking up. I'm crazy. I own all of these. I own multiple copies of this crap. Like I, I've got like hardcovers of the deluxe editions. I've got the soft cover graphic novels. I got the single individual issues. Don't be like me. Don't be super crazy. Purchase what you want, but just letting everyone know about the uh, soft cover and the hardcover collections coming out. And then, last piece of news. By the time you listen to this, uh, Hasbro PulseCon will be in full swing. We're going to release this on Saturday. That's when Hasbro PulseCon will be out and about. Zach and I just did a Hasbro PulseCon uh, 2021, the, the mailer that they sent to influencers. We did an unboxing on our YouTube channel. Yeah. And our next episode of the podcast will actually be our PulseCon Review. We'll talk about all the reveals during PulseCon for Power Rangers. So that should be very exciting. So take a look on our YouTube channel. We'll have links to that and it should be pretty good. So now it's time to talk about Power Rangers Dino Fury. We're actually talking about episodes 12 through 14. And when this releases, uh, episode 14 is actually released on the day that we're releasing this episode on Nickelodeon. So if you don't have Netflix, uh, you're still not going to be spoiled by us. Uh, listen to this episode after you watch episode 14, Old Foes. Good timing. <laughs> yeah, very good timing. It's almost like it was planned. Uh, what? <laughs> huh? Planned? Uh, uh, what? <laughs> me plan so let's talk about episode 12 this is super hotshot the 12th episode of power rangers dino fury featuring the debut of the balloon dino key this aired originally on nickelodeon on october 9th here in the u.s obviously i'm not going to get into international air dates you can find all of that stuff on on ranger wiki but this episode premiered on netflix on October 15th. So all of these episodes from 12 onward, October 15th, it all dropped on Netflix. Uh, all of season one is on there now. All of the episodes we're going to be talking about are written by Becca Barnes, Allendale, Maya Thompson, Guy Langford. Nice. All three of these episodes are also directed by director Chris Graham. Not the Chris Graham who was Leon Bo in Mystic Force, but the director Chris Graham. Right. <laughs> so yeah, this was, I guess, his block of episodes to direct. And there is a lot of good directing in in these three episodes in particular. A lot of 
uh, cool zoom action shots that I noticed, different panning techniques, uh, especially during some of the unmore fights and dramatic tension moments. So I don't know if anyone else picked up on that, but oh, yeah. oh, some pretty sure. good direction on these. So in episode 12, Super Hot Shot, Izzy is convinced a new coach is going to take her athletics to the next level. Her training aspirations are put to the test when she discovers the coach's true motivations. Before we get into this, uh, just some tidbits about the episode. Uh, Void Knight does not appear in this episode, but is mentioned several times. Uh, this episode marks the reappearance of the Dino Daggers since the premiere episode. There is no Zord battle in this episode at all. It's a pretty good episode. So what are you guys' thoughts on this? This episode was a bit of a hard watch for me. And I don't mean that in terms of the quality of the episode. The quality of the episode is fantastic. But the storyline of this coach taking advantage of these athletes the way that she does with like, oh, well, you know, hey, it's going to cost you extra money to be in the special program or you have to have the special uniform. So you got to pay up more money. Mm -hmm. And like I have seen that happen to people in real life, and it it's sad when these people can't or they don't see that they're they're being grifted like that. Mm -hmm. So when I say it was a hard watch, I mean that in terms of like that lesson that people have to learn of like some people out there are not in it for your best interest. They're in it for themselves. They're in it for the money. And right. and it hurt to watch that because, you know, like I said, having seen that in real life before. It just, I was basically cringing the entire episode, just like, oh, no, come on, be smart, please don't hand over the money, oh, oh, oh I can't watch, like, it, it hurt me in a way that was really relatable, and so yeah, this was a, yeah. a great episode. Yeah, I have to agree with that. It was done very well, too, especially for a quote-unquote kid show. It yeah. It, there were some moments that hit, like, really hard. Like, when the coach basically conned Adrian out of his watch. Yeah. The, yeah, the watch is what his grandfather gave him? Or yeah. was his grandfather's watch? I mean... That part stung. Like, that was, like... Yeah. That was pretty, like, deep cut for, for Power Rangers. Surprisingly brutal for what is yes. supposed to be a quote-unquote kid show, like you said. Yeah. Be. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. That was just hard to watch. And it was, like, a lesson episode... But it didn't beat you over the head with it either. It was very, yeah. it was very natural. Um, Izzy got her time to shine when she figured out what was happening. And the actor who played the coach. I'm sorry. She was so annoying. And maybe it was to make me hate her, but yeah. I hated Coach Bella. That's what I mean, though. Yeah. If that was a conscious choice to make me hate her, job well done. Because yeah. she was such, she played a slime ball. That's what I was to about to say. She was perfectly slimy because i absolutely hated her yeah and yeah that's the job well done in my book when you can make me feel that strongly about a character agreed wholeheartedly like every time she was on screen i just wanted to like fast forward so i didn't have to because <laughs> she was just so like you said she was just such a slime ball of like oh well you know i i want to help you out but i i don't know if you can't afford it and it's like oh stop i hate you it was really cringe and if that was their mission then job well done because i almost really dislike this episode just because of her and if it's provoking that type of reaction on me then the actress did a great job with that yeah <laughs> um the actress who played coach bella was uh, jessica uh, Grace Smith, and she did a great job. Yeah. 
for mm-hmm. sure. And like weirdly enough, this is just a not not a footnote, but I got like weird Jodie Whittaker vibes from her too, like a slimy version of Jodie Whittaker. Oh, I can see that. I, I'll agree and with that. I was like <laughs> the doctor, right? The, yeah, the yeah. current doctor. The current doctor. Yeah. 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 I can I can see that for sure. One thing I did like though is how the end of the episode kind of set up nicely for a bit of continuity into the next episode. Yes. I lo- I loved I love continuity. Yes. It's so nice to have that. <laughs> right? <laughs> like wow. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's what I like about this block of 3 episodes in general, um not only done by the same uh director but you know, the same writer, the same group of writers as well, is that there is a mini arc with these two episodes with Super Hot Shot and The Matchmaker, which I really, really enjoyed. I It felt like that was almost like a week later or, you know, a couple days later or something between yeah. those two episodes. It was really good. This episode also introduced the character of Adrian, who is a recurring character at this point because he shows up in these two episodes. I haven't watched the rest of the Dino Fury, so I don't know if he turns up later on in this season after these two episodes. That's what I liked about this episode because there's not only a lot of great storytelling in terms of uh, the lesson that doesn't hit you over the head. It's, you know, very subtle and how it builds up because coach Bella really does encourage like the whole team to do a free class and really get them into it. And, and that's the hook, right? Like she wants that money. And it was, it was a good buildup to playing on what Izzy is so focused on. Izzy is so focused on her competition and being coming a professional. And this was a huge growth moment, both of these episodes for her for different reasons, which we'll talk about. But in this episode in particular, it really shows her ability to take charge and her ability to really analyze the situation and come up with her own solution. Because by the end of the episode, she totally underplays Coach Bella and offers the lesson free for everyone, which segues into the next episode. But it's it's such a great moment for Izzy uh, who really took center stage in this episode. Yeah. yeah. I enjoy any episode that focuses on like my favorite Rangers, but beyond that, it was a pretty darn solid episode. I also liked Adrian more than I thought I would. Just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah. no, no, absolutely right. I thought he was, I thought he was a great character. Um, I really hope he shows up again at some point in the future and well acted by him. Uh, it was nice to see the return of Fern as well, which uh, again we'll we'll get into. <laughs> so just a, a great showing for uh, Power Rangers Dino Fury for uh, this super hotshot episode. One thing I wanted to touch upon because everyone kind of came up with the money for the uniforms and and all of this stuff, and it was kind of funny because Javi and the rest of the Rangers want to give her cash to get the new uniform because she ripped her old one. And then Zato starts pulling out bills and I'm like, how are you making money? Because we haven't seen you got a job (laughs) yet. And also you're a 65 million years old alien. So where are you getting cash? (laughs) I think that's an interesting side 
little detail because it's like, well, what's Zato doing for a job? Or did Solon in, invest in the stock market? I, I have no idea. I wanted to say like the Ranger hotline, every time you call it, it like charges like 10 cents to your phone bill. It's a so, 900 number. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> he's, he's racking up some, he's racking up some cash. <laughs> Thank you for calling the Ranger Hotline. A charge of one ninety nine per minute and ninety nine cents for each additional minute. Please tell us where did you see? And it just goes as slow as possible. <laughs> it's an emergency situation. What are they doing? <laughs> that's hilarious because you think people would be like, "Oh my god, there's a monster in this park!" Oh my god, oh my god, bye. And then yeah. that's it. <laughs> But anyways, he was he was pulling some straight out cash. That was that was great. That reminds me though, I really liked the the Zato moments in this episode as well. He had yeah. some really he had some really good moments in this episode. Like good funny moments. Yeah, for sure. I think Zato gets a lot of moments like that because of the just the nature of his character yes. of of being the quote unquote fish out of water, but also wanting to experience as much of humanity culture as possible. Mm-hmm. Was this the episode where, or someone was trying to give him like pound a fist and he like caught the fist with his hand? He I didn't it was like this episode, but it, there have been episodes in the past. Yeah. That he does that. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, the fact that he doesn't grasp the concept of the fist bump or the high five. Or whatever, right. Like, yeah, that's just one of those background comedy things with Zato that is just, chef's kiss when he was um he was hitting the speed bag and yes. he just busted straight through it <laughs> like, yeah and and you you saw that that hint of coach bella she's like wow great form but if you break another one of those you're gonna pay for it like her voice like changed <laughs> and i that was a that was a subtle moment too yeah there, there was a small scene with jane and jay borg at buzz blast with the cyber coach which was uh, this hilarious robot which detects if you need water or a towel. I, I know we talk a lot about like the slapsticky moments, but for whatever reason, I thought this was particularly funny just because at the end, Jay Borg's like, I give this five stars. And she only holds up four fingers and then slowly releases the the thumb <laughs> for the, the last finger when she notices it. It's just, I, I thought I got a chuckle out of that. Yeah, that's that nice, subtle character comedy that we're getting that Simon has talked about in the past where we're not doing full-blown physical gross-out comedy every time. It's everybody gets a little bit of comedy here sprinkled throughout and yeah it's it's fantastic yeah and it was also kind of relatable because you think that that almost seems like something someone would actually invent that would go horribly wrong in real life (laughs) 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 one of those like bad infomercials for sure (laughs) the subplot with the monsters hacking the phone line i thought was a solid plan from them because yeah, the Ranger hotline is their main source of information uh, for the residents. So I like the touch where Solon had to put in like extra firewalls and, and all this stuff. So uh, they couldn't connect again to the hotline. I thought that was really great. It also lended itself to a really cute mucus moment where oh, she yeah. answered the phone and she's like, it's the Red Ranger. And Amelia's <laughs> like, really? <laughs> 
Yeah, mucus was was really great in this one. I like the monster uh, fog shell. I thought he was uh, particularly funny, especially because he doesn't get killed in this episode and shows up in the next episode, which, again, it, it feels like these two episodes are this mini arc, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the Chroma Fury Sabers turning into the Dino Daggers. I thought it was an, a neat touch to bring those back. I just wondered why it took like 11 more episodes for these to be <laughs> featured again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they they really haven't been using them. And I know it's a U.S. exclusive weapon, whatever, because a lot of the Sentai footage focuses on the, the Dino sleeves that they have for the different powers. So I get there's... A few in few and far between instances where they can use these dino daggers, but I thought they worked great in this episode, especially um the boomerang trick. Is the boomerang trick in this? No, that's in um that's in old foes. That's in the never mind. Ignore me. <laughs> I think the sabers are cool. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. For I sure. also Eric, no harm in that, because that just means we're getting some great continuity finally. And everything's kind of melting together in a really nice, cohesive way. So, yeah, I like where all these story plots are are connecting, and the little things carry over uh, for all of these episodes. So, yeah, it's a great moment for just Power Rangers. I think you know this season is really shaping up to be something special, especially as we get far away from the restrictions maybe set up by Nickelodeon or Haim Saban or whatever we've talked about in the past. It seems like as those restrictions let up more and more, we're able to get more and more content that kind of caters to adult fans and maybe ages up the show a bit. Yeah. Speaking of aging up the show a bit, we get episode 13 the matchmaker. This is the 13th episode of Power Rangers Dino Fury featuring the debut of the double Dino Key, Dino Fury, Red Rangers, Blazing Battle Armor, and Void Knight's true identity. <laughs> episode 12 premiered first on Nickelodeon here in the States before it debuted on Netflix. So Pretty much episode 12 is the last time that cable in the U.S. on Nickelodeon is going to get a premiere. Everything else is Netflix first. And, you know, that signifies the end of an era for Power Rangers. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm interested to see how this affects viewership numbers because I'm willing to bet that the numbers for Nickelodeon go way down because people typically tend to prefer streaming services like Netflix. If you are curious in the ratings, I know uh, Burgundy Ranger on Twitter, he has a site that follows all of the ratings and that's at angelfire.com slash sci-fi slash PR stuff. And you can check out his graphs for all of the different ratings. And surprisingly enough, There was a huge jump from episode 11's low to episode 12's ratings. Hmm. Episode 12's viewership numbers even beat out the first episode on Nickelodeon. No joke. Oh, 
Wow. Oh, wow. Word of mouth must be spreading. 367,000 viewers for episode 12 is the most for any premiere of Dino Fury on Nick. That's pretty good. And that's not counting like DVR playback or anything, is it? Uh, no, it is not. Oh, wow. Okay. We'll link to his site and his Twitter with that little tidbit. Um, but moving on to episode 13, The Matchmaker. Like I said, we got the air date, all that stuff. Here's the synopsis of the episode. Javi thinks Izzy has a crush on a friend and he sets them up on a date. But his assumption causes big problems when the monsters smell love in the air. This episode confirms that Izzy Garcia, Dino Fury Green Ranger, the first LGBTQ plus member of a Power Rangers TV series. At the end of the episode, she holds hands with Fern as they go spend time together to go on a date. This this is the episode. This was perfect. I love this so much. It was everything. I get I get choked up talking about it. That's how much yeah. this means. Getting that representation on screen and just like not doing it in a super beat you over the head with it way. Not doing it performatively, just having it be this natural thing to happen of like, hey, I like this girl. We're going to go out on a date and I'm 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 seriously getting choked up talking about it. Somebody else go, please. This episode, I kind of touched on it a little bit when we discussed the news and also on Twitter after I actually watched the episode, but mm-hmm. it means so much and it was done incredibly well and not just for it being like a quote-unquote kid show. It was just done well in general. Yeah. It was so natural. It flowed so nicely. It didn't hit you over the head with anything, which some of these episodes tend to do. They present it as like a very special episode where where this person reveals, like, no, that's not how it should be done. I mean, it can be, but... It's so much better when it flows naturally like it did in this episode. Yes. And it sets it, it sets it up as just a normal thing in life, which it is. And that's exactly right. It was presented in a nice, accessible way, even for kids, but also just in a nice way for older fans as well. It was very sweet, and the actors did an amazing job. It was perfect. I, I know my heart's just like swelling like ten million times just talking about it, but. So on Twitter, Becca Barnes uh, tweeted uh, about five hours ago uh, when we record this. uh, Now that Dino Fairies the Matchmaker is out in the U.S., here's the rainbow cake the Power Rangers writing team had to celebrate the approval of the episode concept. We're so proud of what we made and of Tessa Rao's portrayal of Izzy, the first LGBTQI plus ranger on the show. Yeah, you love to see it. All the memes mm-hmm. that that Izzy says. This one was amazing. I think this episode was such a great, just a great episode of the show in general. Because I think why this episode worked so successfully is because of all the work that they did in the last episode to set this episode up to stand on its own. Uh-huh. We get the reintroduction of Firm. Even the continuity, Fern was introduced at the very beginning. Yes. In the first batch of episodes as like Izzy's rival. And it's even brought up again in this episode, I believe. Yeah, like at the beginning, doesn't Javi or somebody say something like, yeah, I thought you and Fern didn't get along. Yeah. 
and it's like, no, we were okay. Like we, we patched things up or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, the trope of quote unquote enemies to, to lovers or enemies to friends even is one that I enjoy seeing in media. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's one of those tropes that I just, I'm like, yeah, I want that person to be redeemed and I want to see them team up with the hero. And in this case, getting to see Fern and Izzy showing hints of of that liking each other and and holding hands. And that was perfect for me. Mm -hmm. Like maybe they had such animosity because they had, I don't know, like Because they harbored those feelings. Yes. (laughs) A lot of what was successful about this episode was also set up in the previous one. We had the introduction of Adrian in the previous episode where he could be used here essentially as a plot device for part of the episode. And again, the last episode, episode 12, set up the reintroduction of Fern by reintroducing her from those early episodes. So it's that kind of like continuity that kind of builds upon itself where you can have an episode like this that focuses mainly on the story you don't have to have all of that set up from the previous episodes because all of that work was done before. You should know mm-hmm. these characters by now. Right, yeah. exactly. And it all it leads back to that idea of the natural storytelling that these writers, which, by the way, writers, listen, you're doing an amazing job. Please keep up the fantastic work. If I could send like an edible arrangement to New Zealand, <laughs> right? I would do that right now. Like, like I want to, I want to just send them a huge box of chocolates and be like, "You're amazing! Thank you for being awesome!" And again, like you know, because you you had the story, like you said, Eric, of of having Adrian be this this sort of plot device for this, and it, it, it tied in well with the story too, because you know you have Slyther using his magic to impersonate Adrian. Mm-hmm. and set up this whole kind of double date fiasco thing that was going on. It all flowed, again, natural storytelling, and that's what we love. We love the natural storytelling mm-hmm. that ties in the continuity with the new things that are going on in the story. And it's just, it's amazing. It's so wonderful. The fact that this episode even happened, it means so much to me. And before, I'd only seen clips up until this weekend, I had never seen the actual episode. I did not watch the international airings. I tried to keep myself as spoiler-free as possible, with the exception of some of these clips, because once I found out that it happened, I had to like verify it with my own eyes. But just seeing it on screen for the first time, I was almost in a sense of like disbelief that it was like it was for real. And I was watching this incredibly, incredibly well-crafted half hour or so of of television like in one of my favorite franchises i'm sorry but my mind is just like i'm so i'm still kind of like overwhelmed at the fact that it happened because it just it just means that much i don't know it's just hard to put it into words because it just means so much and i'm just picturing like me as like maybe that five to seven year old or what have you watching this and maybe I would have figured some things out a lot sooner. I don't know. But it's incredible that they that they fought hard enough to do this. And props to all of them. That's something that, you know, I really credit not only the writers, but Simon Bennett for pushing this. Mm-hmm. But also for Hasbro, the higher-ups at Hasbro saying, yeah, go for it. It's, yeah, yeah let's do it. Because we we all know this would have never happened if the show was still with Saban. 
Nope, no, no chance Never in, in a million years. And as as much as I love the franchise before, I love it so much more now because the creatives behind it are willing to go to bat to push for progress like this. Gosh, it it just means so much. Yeah. It, it really, really does. And I mean, we've said it before on this show, the representation matters. And finally getting this level of representation is so huge. It's even cooler, though, that it was in like my favorite Ranger, too. I think it succeeds on on many levels because she was already a fan favorite just from her debut, like her couple debut episodes earlier Mm -hmm. in the season. And you're already taking a well-received and well-appreciated character because even Ravon, you know, he was like, you know, Izzy gang, whatever. But no, it was it was a trend that that people already liked the actress. They liked the character of Izzy. Izzy's debut episode and that debut fight, which we talked about before, absolutely incredible. And in all of the news and stuff leading up to the show, you know, AP had that feeling, this is the character something's mm-hmm. going to happen with this character. Yep. We could all sense it. There's something about this character that's special. And with like the current talk, like, you know, using memes, you love to see it, all of that stuff. She was already more contemporary than some, you know, more recent Rangers. And what could be more contemporary than somebody who's LGBTQ, you know? And exactly. I mean, just going back to it though, when we've reviewed Izzy's first episode, I, I basically said she was giving me, like, Kelsey vibes, like, modern Kelsey vibes. And yes. this just kind of proves it, too. I feel like if Kelsey happened in modern day, this this would have been this, her. This storyline would have happened. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, that's not to say, like, a tomboy stereotype or, or whatever. Yeah, no, um, no, no. But it's the types of characters where there's, it's, it's, there's it's co- something about them. Like there's, they're it's coded, coded. It's coded a certain way. And it's clearly intentional. Mm-hmm. Back when Kelsey was a thing, it was clear that it was realistically, there's no, the way they did that astronaut episode, it, they could have done it a lot differently. Yeah. Like what they did was clearly intentional. And there's so many early episodes of Power Rangers, even the Saban era, mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, I, I listen to Ranger Danger. They're probably the only other Ranger podcast that I, I listen to regularly. And just hearing them review some of Time Force or Lightspeed and, and all that, there are some episodes of this show that are just horny. Like, there is some horny subtext going on in the background between characters. And, yeah, like whatever the intention you know there's there's kind of like that wink wink nudge nudge to to the adults in the audience but this episode said what you you felt was true (laughs) yeah like they confirmed it yeah it confirmed it and the one hint that i liked early on in the episode and it's just treated so naturally because of the great dialogue and you know, poor Javi in this episode, he's he's trying to get his sister on a date and he completely misses every point. But when he's trying to get Fern away from Izzy for, you know, the date that he set up, she thinks that he's asking her out and she blandly says, I don't date boys. And I was like, whoa, they went there. They actually <laughs> yeah. went there. Yeah. 
beyond that, like on that note, it was this was also a really good Javi episode. Yes. It was a good Garcia siblings episode. There it is. It really was. Yeah. You really feel bad for Javi, especially after they find out that Adrian was kidnapped. Izzy gets so understandably angry at him, mm-hmm. but also for trying to set her up on, on a blind date. And I think he fumbled it so badly, but that was definitely a realistic like brother-sister relationship misunderstanding mm-hmm. slash fight. He wasn't being obnoxious. Well, he was kind of obnoxious, but like in like a in like a brother who's trying to do right kind of way. Right. He wasn't he wasn't being malicious. Yeah. He was just trying to help and but he kind of failed miserably. So <laughs> I can't speak to it, you know, I'm cishet white male or whatever. But you know, that also kind of made this episode where Izzy kind of comes out to the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not blandly said or anything, but you know, in her actions and the way that it's handled so naturally, like when Adrian says, Oh, Hey, well, she may not be interested in me, but there's her date right there. And, and Javi just plays it off as, as cool. And he played it off at cool when Fern said, Hey, I'm, I'm not into guys. And he's like, immediately he was like, Oh, and okay. They are. That's totally cool. So I like how naturally it is done and the acceptance is there from the beginning. Yep. And that is such an important lesson for this generation of kids and for any generation. It's incredible representation and a very good example of this. And it's also on a level that kids can understand easily. Right. We've seen some like reactions on Twitter especially from parents who like, like big Mike, you know, he showed this to his kid and was like, and, and he was like, Oh yeah. Izzy's cool. His kid was more concerned. Like, Hey, how's Izzy going to have time to date when she's a power ranger? Yeah. I love that. I love that. I I love that. That's the takeaway. Not, (laughs) Oh my God, lesbians. It's well, wait, how is she going to date us someone when she's like trying to save the world? That's the power of kids, right? Like kids say exactly what's on their mind without a filter. And I love that this is the type of episode that someone who is growing up can see and say, wait, I have those feelings Mm -hmm. or that's, that's who I want to be or, you know, just someone that they can identify with. And I think that is so incredibly important. It would have been huge. For someone like me, it's a big deal. It's a very, very big deal. The reason it's also such a big deal is that finally Power Rangers has stepped into the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Like how many years and possibly decades have people been calling for that type of representation in Power Rangers? And it's, it's finally being seen. I know we talked about this uh, a lot about this in a couple episodes ago, but it's incredibly important because this episode is truly a milestone. And it's not just because Izzy is gay. It's because this is a very well crafted and Mm -hmm. structured episode. Nothing was Mm -hmm. forced. The dialogue was 
on point. It just felt natural. There was so much care put into this episode. And I just cannot thank them enough. It wasn't set up as a very special episode. It was just it was was just just a natural story. Like it was just a regular story. I really liked everything about this episode. I thought the plan that they had for the fake uh, Sporex chest and all of the rest of the Rangers were hidden in the crowd. And Zato was like dressed up as a elderly grandmother. Yeah. I thought was freaking hilarious. And, you know, we've seen many other times. There's many other examples in power Rangers over the years, even in the Saban era of like, you know, men putting on disguises of the opposite (laughs) sex and like revealing themselves. There's even that time force episode where they all dressed up at, you know, in disguise to catch a monster or whatever. And it's, it's just incredibly funny, but I like the subtle hint. And I don't know if anyone else caught this Amelia and Ollie were dressed the same because they were like, the same duo in whatever disguise that they were doing. So they were almost wearing like a jumpsuit uniform. And I was like, okay, I I see another potential pairing in the mix because, you know, we've, we've had those thoughts since the premiere, essentially. Yeah. I was gonna say since episode one, I've been a Amelia Ali shipper. So (laughs) I don't know though. He can be kind of a jerk sometimes. (laughs) Listen, it's a fact of life. Men can be idiot jerks. I, I, I'm guilty of that multiple times in my life. So, uh, you know, I, I, hopefully they uh, they work through it, though. Which we'll talk about in the next episode, because that's more of a ollie focus episode. But yeah, I just wanted to say before we move on to the next episode. Oh, I, I mean, I was just bringing something up. We can keep talking about this episode for like a whole nother hour. OK, <laughs> but um, overwhelmingly, I've noticed a lot of good responses to this episode. Which is very encouraging. Yeah. yeah. Considering how divisive the fandom can be. But also I've noticed some negative reactions to this episode and the revelations in it. And I just wanted to touch on that. Yeah. And go for say it. that anybody who is against Izzy coming out and all that stuff, I feel like you're missing the point of the show. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say you can't be a fan of whatever you want to be a fan of, what whatever. People consume media differently, but I feel like if you're saying this ruins the show or anything like that, like you're kind of missing the messages behind it. Right. And the show's always been as inclusive as it can be. During its time. Yeah. And this is only a natural progression of that. It's always been very inclusive and diverse for, for the times it's been around. And I don't know, this was only a matter of time. This was not only a matter of time. It was it but was overdue and a matter of time. It was overdue, yeah. And if you're against it, maybe this isn't actually the show for you. Yeah, maybe this isn't the franchise for you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe this isn't the fandom for you. Yeah. I'll make it pretty clear. We have no tolerance for that kind of BS mm-hmm. on our social media. We don't have any tolerance. I have for blocked it. quite a few people. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not afraid to keep doing it. And I'm not either. I, I could give a sh- about social media numbers. If I didn't block as many people as I have on Ranger Command, we would have had multiple thousands of <laughs> of followers, <laughs> which is which is sad because in addition to all the bots out there, you know, all the all the stuff, 
I'm sorry, there's just some really disgusting people in fandom and just online in general, and I have absolutely no tolerance for it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you ever thought, hey, why did Ranger Command block me? It could be just because of some toxic things you may have liked or some disturbing things you may have liked. Like, your likes on Twitter are, are public, unless you're profile is is on lockdown then no one can see it but that's a separate topic but also the hate is seen if you're liking posts that are criticizing or discriminating against a minority group if you're liking those types of posts that's a reflection on the person that you are mm-hmm. and i always check yeah whenever someone follows us on twitter i do a quick glance at their profile and if the first thing I see in their likes is something racist, like super misogynistic or super graphic content that is not meant for kids, sorry, you're getting a block. It's just the way it is. Because mm-hmm. I, I have no tolerance for it. I have no tolerance for hate on this podcast or in the spaces that that we occupy. And yeah, there are some pretty bad comments that were in response to this episode and i have zero tolerance for it it's like yes freedom of speech but i also have the freedom to not listen to your bull yeah i have the freedom (laughs) to not associate with your toxic bull exactly we all agree freedom of speech yes freedom of speech you have the right to say whatever you want that is True. That doesn't mean people have to like it, and that doesn't mean I have to look at it. Freedom of speech does not equal freedom from consequence. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yep. Pure and simple. Say whatever you want. If you say something stupid, I'm going to block you. That is the consequence of you being a bigoted jerk. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I couldn't think of a non-swear word quick enough. <laughs> so the thing I'm I'm surprised about because this this did get some attention in the press and I think rightfully so but it was coming from um LGBTQI+ plus, uh news outlets which were praising this episode granted I I don't go in spaces where I think people might be causing an uproar over this episode but it's not, I don't think this episode like made national news. Like, I think back in the 90s, you know, it would have been because that was the height of, of Power Rangers. I think if they did something like this, this would be all over the news. But I don't know. Have you guys seen any example of any negative clapback like in I have the media? Not. I've only seen positive responses to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Granted, mm-hmm. I don't look for negative responses too often but i feel like i would have seen someone would have yeah they also have been yeah they haven't been extremely prevalent where they would show up in my feed or anything like that yeah 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 and i think we all do a pretty good job of like cultivating our feeds and you know all all of that but oh yeah and um, shout out to the people who do retweet the bigoted comments for other people to see and realize oh hey this is a garbage person i'm going to block them you know that helps you know you you shouldn't stand by silently if you see somebody saying something that is bigoted or hurtful or uh ignorant in, in those ways then you should absolutely call them out and be like hey like it or not, this is the year 2021, and your views belong in 1921. So guess what? Block. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There's, there's all these kinds of arguments for whether you should call out people like that or not, but you know, I'm, I'm sick of seeing hate in the fandom spaces. I'm sick of seeing racism in fandom spaces. I'm sick of seeing, you know, blatant sexism or weird conspiracy theories in our fandom space. And it's, it's not going to be tolerated by us. Like, no, there was no vaccine chip propaganda in Beast Morphers. Sorry, Daniel, whatever the f***. Like, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. This show is meant for kids, and it's about time that Power Rangers has stepped into the 21st century and show that it is okay to love who you want to love, regardless of race, regardless of sex. And I think that is an important lesson for Power Rangers. It's it's about time. And I I praise this episode. I think it was brilliantly done. But, you know, like Doug said a couple episodes ago, there's still work to be done. This is just mm-hmm. the first step. And the fact that it was greenlit, Hasbro approved the concept, the writer's room celebrated, this gives them the opportunity to do more in the future if mm-hmm. they are given that opportunity. And I think and it, the it doors give, are open wider. And it gives me hope that they will. It gives right. me hope and faith that they will do more when they're able to, and it will be done with care. And if it's done with as much care as as went into this episode, I, I think we're in good hands. Yep. Seriously, we could we could talk forever just on on this particular episode. So, I mean, is is there anything else that you know, AP, you would want to address on this topic, Zach? Uh, I think we pretty much covered everything about this and and how happy we are with it. And just, I think we both hope, hey, more of this, please. Yeah. Yeah, AP, I just wanted to give you like any other additional feelings. I mean, I have so many feelings. Yeah. Um, I am like all feelings right now. But, um, I could go I could go on for hours if you like me. I am me. all so up gonna, in my feels, as they yes, say. Yes, basically, as the kids say. <laughs> th- thank you to the writers and the production team and the actors and everyone behind this episode. Bingo. From like start to finish. I just can't thank them enough. And that's yeah. all. Well said, because, yeah, this this episode means a lot to many people. It's a huge step in the franchise in storytelling for Power Rangers. And, yeah, to to Becca Alwyn, the writing team, Simon Bennett, the producer, the people at Hasbro who approved this, anyone who was involved in this decision and making it happen, it should be congratulated, it should be celebrated. And I'm glad the writer's team had a wonderfully delicious looking rainbow cake from what I saw in the picture on Twitter. (laughs) Um, It looked very delicious. So thank you to the entire cast and crew portrayed wonderfully. uh, Izzy's portrayed wonderfully by Tessa Rao. Uh, Mm -hmm. She is a phenomenal actress and, and she should be proud. And she said this was one of the reasons why she was excited for the role. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I also can't thank her enough either because she did such a good job with this episode and hit all yeah. the right notes. And yeah, it's it's just clear that there was care from start to finish put into this storyline. And mm-hmm. 
again, just thank you to everybody. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. All right. We will move on to episode 14, Old Foes. Uh, This is the Halloween special of Power Rangers Dino Fury featuring the return of Lord Zed with the debut of Rigul and the spin Dino Key. Like we said, this episode uh, released today, at the same time we released our episode, our podcast episode reviewing this episode. This episode marks the return of Lord Zed after 23 years because he was last seen in the finale from Power Rangers in Space. Rigul uses the compliance collar on a revived Lord Zed, the same invention that was used by Rijak on Vargoyle in Power Rangers Beast Morphers. This episode also uses clips from the episodes of previous Power Ranger seasons, The Mutiny Part 1, Green No More Part 1, The Power Transfer Part 1, Rangers Back in Time Part 1 from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Season 2, Countdown to Destruction Part 2 from Power Rangers in Space, and Intruder Alert from Power Rangers Beast Morphers Season 2. This episode is a lot to unpack. I liked the episode, though. I did, did too. I I thought going into this episode that it was going to be like, okay, so the Zed that they bring back is going to be some kind of, like, Halloween monster trick or something like that. No, they just straight up said, nah, we we brought back Lord Zed because of shenanigans, and he's under a compliance collar, so he won't be rowdy. And then the episode goes on, and Lord Zed is still just there, hanging out, and it's like, this is surreal. This is really weird to see the person who was essentially the big bad for two seasons as being the monster of the week in a weird way. And we speculated before because this episode kind of leaves him out out there. He's out there. Oh yeah, he's just out there in space now trying to find and his staff. And he's, he's trying to find his staff. You know, we've theorized because of the Beast Morphers connection that Tallulah Blakely's coming back uh, from the casting announcements that Mir at the Power Scoop found out. So there's obvious if he's not the big bad for Dino Fury Season 2, he's at least going to have a mini arc in Season 2. And, you know, we'll talk about future episodes where uh, you find out Lord Zed connected to the Gold Ranger in terms of the Gold Ranger being revived, but that's that's for another time. I'm I'm kind of mixed on this one. I'm conflicted because like I I applaud them for doing a Halloween episode that isn't a complete clip show. Um, yeah, you know we've had those types of specials before, and over the years they've been more clever at using the past footage. Uh, in a neat way. This episode is no different. It even ties back continuity-wise uh, with, again, all of the episodes uh, that were previously mentioned, uh, but also from episode eight, Unexpected Guests, because they used the Ranger database that Mick gave them. And there's a very great sense of continuity between the seasons for that type of uh, plot device. And I think my problem stems with the fact, like, look, there's no doubts about it. Robert Axelrod was Lord Zed. He will always be Lord Zed. 
I mean, the second viewing I did of this, I did warm up more to the voice, but I'm still not a hundred percent there. This, the the voice of Lord Zed is just as menacing as uh, his costume, and there there aren't many people who can bring that to justice. Um, Andrew Lang, who did voice Lord Zed for this, he's been in so many roles for Power Rangers. He was in ever since Dino Thunder. He was the voice of Oculus and Mystic Force. He was Master Lope in Jungle Fury. He was Vengex in RPM. He came back to be Vengex again in Beast Morphers. He was Heximus and Dino Supercharged, like so many different voices that he did throughout the years. And yeah, Lord Zed, that's a lot to live up to. I just wish they tweaked it more in like some audio editing to give it that booming, like just a little bit more of of that Lord Zed feeling. And, you know, maybe that's me as a you know, someone who grew up in Lord Zed, I was scared of Lord Zed as a, as a child. That suit was terrifying. It was such an incredible debut when when Lord Zed, you know, it was during that primetime special. And man, it, Lord Zed, I have such strong memories of, of Lord Zed and watching him debut that I'm I'm conflicted on it because on one hand I'm like wow that's really neat how they were able to bring him back you know you've got almost like a Deus Ex Machina type character with with Rigul that's like oh well I can summon any bad guy from any dimension and any time yeah. you know I summon Lord Zed when he was his most evil which you know that's a whole big plot hole but you know now you have this character that's kind of floating out there well not floating out there because Void Knight did put the sleepy cuffs on him at the end of the episode, right? Yes. He did, right? Yeah. Yes, he's he's still out there. So you have this character that can, like, bring back someone at, at any time, which, you know, is, is kind of like a plot twist in, in, in itself. And, you know, that's kind of something that they can pull the rabbit out of their head at any time. It's kind of clever how they brought it back, but it's almost like, does anyone get what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm conflicted as an older fan. I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah. It's also just hard in general. I mean, I was never like a huge, I watched Mighty Morphin some as a kid, but um, I was never a huge fan. So maybe it doesn't hit me as hard as you, but I can certainly understand what you're saying. Like, Robert Axelrod, he... His voice is he iconic. was a legend. He was, he a, was legend. a legend. His Lord Zed voice was iconic. It was it was a huge part of what made the show what it was. And mm-hmm. Lord Zed was a huge presence for so yes. many years. And he's one of the like main main figures in the entire franchise. You think you think the Power Rangers, a lot of people think Mighty Morphin, Rita, Lord Zed. Mm-hmm. They don't think of anybody else. And just Robert Axelrod having such an iconic voice and iconic presence, it's a little hard to, I don't want to say move on from that, but it's a little hard to see anybody else try to emulate it. And I can, I certainly understand what you're saying. It's not unreasonable at all. As the older fan who, again, was there from season one of MMPR all the way till now, like, 
it is jarring to hear someone attempt a Lord Zed voice that isn't Robert Axelrod. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you can like it, you can dislike it. It's a totally personal opinion. To me, yes, it's not as good as it could have been, but I think that we tried. I mean, I have to say they tried a little bit. Like, they, they didn't just half entirely. Oh, no, 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 no. I think they did the best that they could. And I'm just talking about his voice. The costume? The costume is... mother of God. It is amazing. That was an incredible suit. Yes. And they made the suit so he could do fighting stuff. Yeah. Because... The ori- by the time season three of Power Rangers, that's why you never saw Lord Zed fight in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was because that suit was so complicated and they only had one of them or one or two of them. And to get that suit in any type of fighting position, you would have damaged the suit beyond repair. That's why yeah. in Power Rangers, he's menacing, but from afar, it's because he has so much power, he doesn't need to fight. but to see him unleash in this episode against those two monsters when he punches them up in the air. And then I loved the teleporting effect that they use for Zed, that energy ball with the red crackle and it like unleashes. I was like, that feels like an old school teleportation effect from Mighty Morphin. And I freaking loved it. In a weird way, even though Zed was like a foot soldier for most of this episode, we got to see him at his full potential for the first time ever. Yeah. We got to see him actually fight. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I say like, that's really, that was really my only hang up was the voice. And yeah, they did clip shows of the legacy database and there was a few voice, obviously, because they had to redub. We saw this last time in Beast Morphers when they did the clip show with that monster episode and that focused on all the villains and redubbed a lot of things because of music and not being able to separate the tracks and all of that. So I was already prepared for that, but the Andros voice, I was like, That mm, was weird. Yeah. That, that was, was so weird. That was a bad one. That could have been done on. A heck of a lot better. The alpha voice was okay. The Zordon voice was okay. But um, I actually thought that the Lord Zed voice in the flashback or the redub was slightly better than what they did for the rest of the episode, which was a little weird. Yeah. But that Andrew's voice... Um, the Andrews voice. I'm. I'm sorry. It almost felt like a a woman voice tone. It did. It was a a little bit too high pitched for me. I was like, that's not Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> like I almost would have preferred like a generic, a, a more generic male voice than than what we got for Andros. And yeah, it was just like one small line, but it was enough where I was like, wait. What? <laughs> like, I would have preferred, like, that generic, like, toy voice. Yeah. More than this. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I know I've I've talked, uh, like, a lot about just Lord Zed, but, I mean, this, this is a big deal. This is a big yeah. deal because he's still out there. They're connecting him, obviously, from Mighty Morphin, the first dino season, 
to Dino Fury, the latest dinosaur base season. It's a big deal. It's a nice, I mean, it was kind of spoiled before it happened. Right. Oh, there, yeah. was, there was that picture oh, yeah. floating around out there and a couple rumors. But regardless of that, it was still a nice surprise, something I mm-hmm. wasn't really expecting to happen. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the rest of this episode. I thought, you know, Rai Ghoul, I, I call him a deuce ex machina villain because he is, but the design was creepy. He has like full on like chest skeletons around his body. And I'm like, just from a suit design perspective, that suit is a freaking nightmare. Yeah. It's creepy. It's oh, creepy. Yeah, for sure. I loved that they brought back Brian Blast and Wolfgang because I love those two villains in Dino Fury and the callback in this episode, Ollie used the the know-how drop that they used with Mix episode. Again, yes. that continuity. He remembered that they used it. He called upon Solon to bring another one and she threw the know-how drop in the same way that Mick did. And I thought that was a really nice callback to a few episodes before this. And I even liked the little moment when it happened. And he was basically like, oh no, not again. And <laughs> I don't know, for some reason, I like actually laughed when that happened. I was like, oh. Well, yeah, just, just the two of these Sporex beasts working together and then trying to turn on Lord Zed and then getting their like served to them was a real highlight of this episode you already kind of touched on it that it was probably a little better than most halloween slash clip shows but Mm -hmm. i could honestly barely tell it was a clip show it was done so well that unless you kind of knew it was supposed to be a clip show maybe you wouldn't think it was if that makes any sense Right, and and that's what I meant by this trend of these newer clip shows, like in Beast Morphers, because the Beast Morphers Halloween special, where they had the villain flashbacks, and they were reviewing the footage and bringing back past monsters like Sledge and Poissandra and all of them, it's just another example of using maybe the bare minimum of clips required to make this a quote-unquote clip show, but introducing these huge plot points into it, because the Beast Morphers Halloween episode pretty much kicked off or was in the middle of that arc uh, for the the Dino War. Yeah. And now this episode, even though it's quote-unquote Halloween special, it's resurrecting one of the biggest villains in all of Power Rangers history. And not only that, Lord Zed is huge right now in the comics. And so I feel like there's they're all kind of tying everything together, which which is good. I, I like that feeling. I, I don't know what else more we can say about this episode. Um I think treating it as as a Halloween episode was good. The only other thing I was kind of like eh, on is like where the hell did those like sleepy cuffs came from who came up with that idea that felt like another weak device i guess it just came like out of nowhere i don't think they've ever used them before it was just like they teleport in it was like yep here you go you're you're all asleep now like i get it was meant to do it quick but maybe there was a better way they could have done it i i just i i thought that was really really childish and i know that's weird to say because this is a children's show but i was like Really? Sleepy cuffs? That's what you're going with? (laughs) 
I don't know. Like overall, though, and I kind of already said it, but I I liked this episode a lot more than I than I thought I would because I'm I'm just so yeah. used to absolutely hating Halloween episodes. Mm-hmm. And this one, oh I god, actually... remember the Halloween court stuff? Yeah. Like that was terrible. That was don't, terrible. Don't remind me. But <laughs> but for like the first time in a long time, I could watch this episode multiple times and oh, yeah. like willingly. Yeah, yeah, and not not being forced to for this yeah. uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're out of the Ninja Steel days, thankfully. Yeah, I didn't yeah, even oh, try God. to watch Ninja Steel. I'm sorry. No, we, no, we were we were pretty much done at that point. Let's be real, we were pretty much done. Yeah. <laughs> This was an all right episode. I I think overall, I I liked more things about it than I disliked. And again, is this is a major plot point? Like Lord Zed is still out there. They're obviously setting up a storyline with him in the future, so we can look forward to that. But yeah, overall, I I really dug the costume. I will say, when I did rewatch this episode, the voice, I didn't mind it as much when I watched it again. That was kind of a win, I guess. I think that's about it. Unless there's anything else in this episode that you all wanted to touch on. As a fan of Halloween, I enjoyed that they tried to like scare Ollie with that like shoddy haunted <laughs> hiking trail. I thought that was hysterical. I, I just like that he's like, oh yeah, the the price tag is still on this yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They, they didn't even hide it. Well, um, that about does it for this episode of Ranger Command. Appreciate everyone listening, as always. So, Ranger Nation, let us know what you think. If you have questions, you can email us at rangercommandpowerhour at gmail.com or check us out at rangercommand.com. We're on Twitter at rangercommandph and on Instagram and Facebook at rangercommandpowerhour, all one word. Once again, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll catch you next Saturday when we review Hasbro PulseCon and all of the news that comes from Hasbro PulseCon. So uh, thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye. See you next time, everyone. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour, only on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphin Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at RangerCommandPH. Like us on Facebook and Instagram at RangerCommandPowerHour. Ranger Command is also on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to Patreon.com slash RangerCommandPH to learn more. Thanks for listening.